Today, we have a new sermon series that we're starting. It is called Foundations, and it has to do with the starting of the church. What does it mean to be a church? What did it mean in the book of Acts, and what does it mean for us in the day and age in which we live in? See, we're not trying to be, and my wife says it all the time, let's not try to be hip and cool as a church because we'll fail at that over and over again. Let's try to be a Bible-based church. Come on. Do you know that there's merit to that? Because there are many places and many churches, they are not trying to be focused on the scripture. But let's get to the word of God. Let's get to the leading of the Holy Spirit and allow the Lord to do a work in us as Bethel like we've never seen before. And guess who he's gonna do that work with? You, you. Because the plan is not just about a building. And it's not just about a program. See, the very heart and plan of Jesus through Pentecost is raising up men and women, young and old, people of all different backgrounds, and filling them with the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to kind of look into the question, how was the church founded? How was the church founded? Because when you understand how something began, the origins of it, then you realize how it needs to function in the day and age in which we live. And so because of that this morning, I wanna kind of tell you sometimes, biblically, it can be a little bit complicated trying to pinpoint the exact birthday of the church. Because there were moments where Jesus empowered his disciples, they were already healing the sick and raising the dead. It says in Johannian literature that he breathed the spirit on them. However, the Bible shows us clearly and succinctly that the church became a living, breathing entity on the day of Pentecost. The coming of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, upon the followers of Jesus ignited the extension of the work of Jesus here on earth. Man, am I excited about that one. And I'm going to tell you in just a moment personally why that means so much to me. With your Bibles open to Luke 24, 49, we see that Jesus speaks the following words to his disciples before he departs from them. He says, and look, I am sending you what my Father has promised, meaning the Holy Spirit. As for you, stay in the city of Jerusalem until you are empowered from on high. There's something about the power of the Holy Spirit and the existence of the church that you cannot separate from one another. See, in order for a church to be a church, it needs to be infused by the power of the Spirit. And I can tell you that specifically because I grew up in three different church traditions. The first trad church tradition that we knew, honestly, they didn't even know what to do with the Holy Spirit. They believed he was there, but it's like, let's not talk about him too much. The second church tradition that I was a part of, they said, Shh, not only do we not want to talk about the Holy Spirit, but we're going to say everything he did in the Bible, he only did in the first century. And after John wrote the book of Revelation, the Spirit of God stopped moving like he did in the first century. And then all of a sudden, I was introduced to a Pentecostal people. 
And they told me the same spirit that lived in Jesus was now present by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that this Holy Spirit could move and work in my life to help me do things that I could not do within my own strength. Man, was that empowering. See, when I grew up, I didn't realize that there was a get-out-of-jail-free strategy. I thought, this is my lot, I'm stuck with it. Everything that I'm experiencing, whether it be poverty, whether it be the the background I'm from, the ethnic background, and people will look at me and say, well, what what are you talking about with that? And I said it a little bit in first service. I will tell you honestly, where I grew up, I grew up predominantly in an Italian-American community. However, what that meant was, in order to feel and be safe, we did not leave the towns we came from. Because when we went into other towns, we were pulled over on the side of the road, we had people beat us up, it was not the most pleasurable of experiences. So there you are, strike one, you're poor, strike two, you're Italian-American, and strike three, I don't know what to tell you, but there's probably something else you can find about me. But thank God that God has a plan. Thank God that God is able to empower people that society could never empower. Thank God the Holy Spirit sets us free from every label, every constraint that holds us back. And guess what God wants to do? He wants to work through you unfiltered, unabashedly, because more than build a building, like I said, God is building a building of living stones. It is a temple that is alive and full of life. In between the services, Pastor Chris, he came up to me, said, while we were praying downstairs, the Lord just revealed something so strongly to me. And I saw this wonderful tent, which really represents the presence of God among us, a place to find him and seek him. But there were all these kind of like oral oil ba- uh, barrels and vats, and everywhere the people looked, they were able to get an abundance of oil to help them. And I think that that is a beautiful illustration of what the Spirit of God is desiring to do. That when you ask of him, whatever you need of him, that he is more than able. Do you believe that your God is more than able? Do you believe that the Spirit of God is still here to empower you so that you do not have to be a victim of every stamp and label that's been put upon your life? I don't know about you, but that's a big amen for me. David Wilkerson said the following. He said, when you strip it of everything else, Pentecost stands for power and life. That's what came into the church when the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost. See, when you have a church community, the people can be as nice as Ward and June Cleaver, and guess what that means? Absolutely nothing. There are non-believers who are nice and kind and civil. However, what separates the boys from the men and the ladies from the little girls is when the power of the Spirit is alive and well within the body of Christ. When we are alive and well, we are meant as Bethel Christian Church to be a community that is alive and full of the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, if you constantly come in and you're eoring, defeated, deflated, and believe me, I understand that life happens. Depression, sadness, 
grief, it can get the, the best of any of us, but it is a deliberate choice that I make, knowing that the Holy Spirit has been given as a gift for me, that I know with the Spirit of God inside of me that I can live and walk and breathe his victory. Amen? And so quickly this morning, there are three aspects of what the Holy Spirit desires to do in the church that I'd like to point out. One of the first foundational things that the church had was the church was empowered. If you have your Bible, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw what looked like tongues of fire resting on each and every one of them. And they were all, A-L-L, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can I be honest with you? These people had no clue what was about to happen to them. They knew the stories of the Old Testament. They knew that God at Sinai was like a, a mighty thunder and black clouds and he shook the mountain and his voice was strong and powerful. They knew Jesus who came in the flesh and spoke their languages and touched them, but they never had experienced the third person of the Trinity. They didn't knew, know what he acted like or what he sounded like. The only thing we know from scripture is that some of them, when the resurrected Jesus was around them, they said, was it not our hearts burning within us? They could feel a tingling. They could feel some goosebumps. But to be honest with you, that was like even my own experience with the Holy Spirit. When I was a young boy at 12 years old, I began to hear more and more that the Holy Spirit was for me that I could be filled and baptized with the Spirit. And I began to read the Word of God and search after Him. And it wasn't until two years later that I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I don't know why or what. And I had moments where I was seeking God in my room, and I had tons of music, and, and can be, to be honest, if you would classify me back then, according to modern terminology, I was definitely emo. Like down in the dumps, I would listen to all music that was down in the dumps, depressing, and I decided to rid myself of all of that. I broke every tape, every CD, got rid of all of it, and I listened to, at the time to old school Hosanna music. Remember that one? And I'd put my little cassette tape in that I'd have to fix with a pencil sometimes, and I'd play the songs over and over again. And I began to feel the presence of God around me like a warm blanket. I would feel a bubbling up on the inside, and I didn't know how to describe it. I didn't know what was happening to me. But one night on Palm Sunday, I made a switch for myself. I was in a choir practice with the youth of the church, and we were asked to go upstairs, and I went upstairs, and everyone in the church was seeking God like they do here at Bethel on an encounter night. And I didn't know what to make of it. It actually, it scared me. I could feel the presence of God and the holiness of God. I didn't even want to touch the doors of the sanctuary. But I opened the doors and went in, and all my friends were with me. And we were having a good time in the back of the church. And I don't mean a good time like we were worshiping. I mean, we were cracking jokes, we were elbowing one another, we were laughing at people. Yes, I used to make fun of people in church. 
Sometimes I still do once in a while. I'm going to be honest with you. You make fun of me. I hope you do too. And so in that vein, you know, we're cheering and doing all these things, and I could feel the Spirit of God just speaking to me, lift your hands and worship me. And I'm like, wait, 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 I got all my friends around me. They're not doing this. And I was the funny boy in youth group to them because I was kind of worldly, and I came into youth group. And so I would say unconventional things. I'd drop a few F-bombs. They thought it was hilarious. Thinking back, they were really bad examples. And I just began to worship, and I could hear them kind of jeering and laughing at me a little bit. And as soon as I lifted my hands, I felt the Spirit of God say, seek me at the altar, and bam, I shot up out of my seat, and I could hear them chitter-chattering about me that I was going up to the altar. But the second I knelt down, I prayed, Jesus of Nazareth, from the Gospels, if this baptism in the Holy Spirit is from you, fill me now. And all of a sudden, it was like thunder that shot out of heaven through my soul, and I was never, ever the same again. I never questioned, are you filled with the Spirit? It was not passive. I knew that I knew that I knew that I had received power. I asked someone at the time, I said, when I receive the Holy Spirit, what do I do? They said, just praise Jesus in English. So my little brain was ready to praise Jesus in English, and all of a sudden, another language just started flowing out. I had no control. I was just going and going. I was like a babbling brook. I couldn't stop it. For hours, it just kept flowing out of me. I will tell you, since that day up until today, repeatedly, the Spirit of God has filled me again and again and again to overflowing. He is a God who empowers his people. See, ordinary people like you and I, when the Spirit of God comes, we become supernatural people. See, the disciples of Jesus did not just receive power to become friendly people who went to church. Instead, they became unique people who received the power to see the kingdom of God superimposed on the Roman Empire. Do you know that the power that you received is meant to change the world in which we live? Do you know the power that we've received is meant to change your family? Do you know the power we've received is meant to change your job and your school? There is power when the Spirit of God comes upon you. The second thing that the Spirit of God came to do was he came to embolden his church. We could use a new unction of boldness, don't you think? In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, a new picture is painted for us. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We can take this passage all by itself and think great and wonderful, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson in the book of Acts. See, on the day of Pentecost, it was a glorious day. 120 plus people, including the mother of Jesus, burst out of the upper room onto the streets of Jerusalem, and 3,000 people were saved and baptized on that day. And they were like, "Woo! glory, hallelujah, we love this church, we love the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit of God began to lead them every day. And Peter and John, they healed a man at the temple at the gate, beautiful. And the man began leaping and jumping and praising Jesus. And the religious leaders got angry and they called Peter and John into the principal's office. 
They said, hey, little boys, this is not what we do in our culture. We do not preach the name of Jesus. And they looked at them and they said to them, we can only do the things that we have seen and heard from the master Jesus. But everyone else in the church, they got afraid because John and Peter, they were whipped and thrown into jail. Everyone was getting nervous in the service. See, oh, we love church and we love the signs and wonders and we love the miracles, but what happens when real persecution sets in? And they needed a baptism of boldness, why? Because we as people, we get afraid. We shrink back, we go into normal setting, automatic pilot, thank God that the Holy Spirit was sent See, the very room that they began to pray in because they were afraid, it was shaken by the power of the Spirit and they were filled with boldness. See, the Holy Spirit not only brings about the gifts of the Spirit and brings about joy, he brings about a boldness to preach Jesus anywhere, anytime, no matter who and no matter what. It's interesting to read the words of church history one of the church fathers and historians, Tertullian, he had written what's called an apology, and he's not apologizing. He's writing a defense of the Christian faith to the Roman Empire, and he wrote the following words about what he and his fellow Christians were experiencing a few centuries into them being believers. He says to the Roman official, he says, they kill us, they torture us, they condemn us, they grind us to dust. Your injustice is proof that we are innocent. Therefore, God allows that we suffer. When you recently condemned a Christian woman and you called her a prostitute, we would like you to be aware that this woman was a lioness for God. You made a confession to taint the purity of our reputation, knowing that it's like a horrible punishment to us. However, we would rather be persecuted." Nor does your cruelty, however exquisite, avail you. It is rather a temptation to us. The oftener we are mown down by you, the more we grow in number, because the blood of Christians is the seed of the church. What Tertullian was writing a few centuries past Pentecost was you can do whatever you want to us because when you cut us open, we bleed Jesus. When you cut us open, the kingdom of God grows. If you want to press us, we are like the most precious of oil. We only get more expensive, and the taste is all the sweeter. See, the church in the United States needs boldness again. We are being taught all these things, and I love it. You know, again, things are happening. When we look at awful situations of what went on in Buffalo, what went on in a church down in Texas, what goes on all over the United States, honestly, some days, I can't even remember what's happening where. All I know is, is that there is evil on every side. And do you know that you are not left powerless in the midst of that evil? Do you know that the enemy would love to sow fear into you? Oh, you're only a woman. You're a single woman. Oh, you're a minority. They're going to get you. Oh, you're this. You're that. They're going to get you. Oh, you're a Christian. They're going to get you. They want to sow, sow, sow. You need to stand empowered in this world. You need to believe that God is for you. And if they put a bullet into your head, take it for Jesus. Come on. Because if I go out, I want to go out with a bang. 
Let that be our mentality as believers, that God is worthy of our worship. Jesus is worthy of being preached no matter what. The very last thing that the Spirit did on the day of Pentecost for the church, the church was emancipated. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, as Peter is standing up in front of the crowd on the day of Pentecost, quoting a prophecy from the Old Testament from Joel. He says, and it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people, A-L-L, all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. Do you know what God was looking forward to? He was looking forward to men and women being radically transformed by the power of the Spirit. God wanted to remove the barriers and the hindrances that our world and our society wants to put on top of us. He wants to remove religious stamps that we get on our lives. See, God unfiltered and unabashedly, he wants to work through you. And I want you to believe that for yourself. We say whom the sun sets free is free indeed. In America, we say things like, oh, Lincoln, he freed the slaves. No, Lincoln, he did not free the slaves. The Spirit of God freed the slaves. The Spirit of God freed every person. And we can say, but how did that happen? You can be physically free and still be a prisoner on the inside. But the Spirit of God frees up the inside, and he turns men and women like you and I into extraordinary, supernatural people. See, the Spirit of God was bringing freedom in the early church like the world at that time had ever, never known before. God could use women and enslaved people and non-Jews and even illiterate people to spread the message of Jesus and strengthen the church community. The early church was founded on the following three dynamics. Number one, the dynamic presence of the Holy Spirit as a result of the finished work of Jesus. Number two, the courageous unction of the Holy Spirit within the lives of believers. And number three, by breaking down societal walls of separation that held women, foreigners, and socially marginalized from ever reaching a place of influence. The Son and the Father and the Spirit are doing a beautiful work through the church. It's been happening since the day of Pentecost. It's been happening generation after generation, and you can say, oh yeah, but the Pentecostal movement is recent. No, church history will show you all throughout church history there have been moves of the Holy Spirit. And men and women of God have always determined for themselves, either I'm gonna get behind God and move with him, or I'm gonna let him pass me by. Church, for Bethel, I do not want the Lord to pass us by. One of our very values is being spirit-led, which means we need to constantly allow the spirit of God to transform us and to change us. What that means is yesterday's gone, today I'm in need, Holy Spirit power, fall on me. See, as the spirit-led church founded on these principles, let us continue under the guidance of that same Holy Spirit. 
He hasn't changed. He has not, like Elvis, left the building. He is alive and well here on earth because Jesus said, my father has promised him. And all we need to do is receive him like a gift. All we need to do in the picture illustration that Pastor Chris shared with me is be able to leave our little tent for a second and get that big reserve of oil that he has for us because he has an abundance. Do you realize that God has an abundance for you? We're gonna pray for you in just a moment as a church. We're gonna pray that the Spirit of God would fill you like never before because just like they used to say in blues clubs in America, no one leaves this place without singing the blues. No one leaves this place or turns off the live stream without being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, we believe that we need him. Church, we need him like never before. And so in a moment, after we have our new eldership installed this morning, we are gonna pray at these altars for anyone that wants to receive and be touched by the Spirit of God because he's here this morning. Some of you have already responded, but I know that there are others that are desperate to be filled by his presence.